Hey everybody, this is Kendall Osborne with The Recording Lounge, and it is February 21st, 2011. Sorry it's been so long since we've had another show. Um, I released the last one last month, and I really would like to do more than one a month, but, you know, it's, it's been rough. We had a snowstorm here that was pretty much nobody could go anywhere for a couple of weeks. It was, it was pretty bad. It was, um, I think, a state record for the most snow we've seen. I think we got... Uh, 15 inches. I live in the south, so that's kind of a big deal. Um, 15 inches up north for, you know, my listeners in Minnesota or um, some other people. I mean, that's no big deal. They're laughing at me right now. Sorry, guys. But 15 inches here is like, whoa, what, what, what's going on? So anyway, this is the Recording Lounge. We've got a great show for you today. Um, this show is actually about hiss, hum, buzz, and the noise floor. So what do these things do for us, good and bad? And we're going to talk about them today on Recording Lounge. If you guys may listen to this show in headphones, you might hear probably the air conditioner running in the room. Or, uh, you know, maybe my computer fans uh, worrying about in the background. And, you know, just for the record, I am not using a good mic really for this show. I'm actually using my TalkBack mic, which is a very cheap uh, MXL reason I do that is because I can just sit at the desk um, where I'm most comfortable, uh, especially if I need to look something up when I do these shows, and uh, you know, I'm very familiar with my workspace, so this is where I do spend a lot of time mixing. So I'm just using my TalkBack mic. Now, obviously, it's better than your cheapo TalkBack mic that's on the mixer or whatever, but it works for me. I like it. So for a thing like this, you know, the little the buzz and the hum in the background or whatever, doesn't really phase me because that's not really what I'm trying. I'm not trying to go for high fidelity anyway. I already compressed the heck out of this in terms of data compression so that it's a small file to download, you know, 128 kilobytes a second, sometimes even 96 if it's a long show. So not looking for super high fidelity. However, uh, what we're talking about today is hiss and buzz and hum and the noise floor and, and what are they? You know, what's up with those? Um... When do we like them and when do we not? When do we appreciate the little bit of hiss that's in the sound and when do we want to get it all out? Let's talk about something first that you have to understand to understand these concepts and that's dynamic range. What dynamic range describes is essentially the difference between the loudest volume possible and the quietest volume possible. That's a very general definition. And this is in all kinds of things. For example, there's a dynamic range of your ears and a dynamic range of uh, tape and a dynamic range of a digital system and a dynamic range of uh, certain microphones. Essentially, it's what, you know, what's the highest... Uh, loudest volume that can be produced and the lowest volume that can be produced. If I'm not mistaken, 24-bit digital audio has a dynamic range of 144 decibels. Um, something like this, some equation, 144 decibels, and our ears can only have a dynamic range of 140. So, like, even, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a lot more than you think. Like, it sounds like, oh, 144 decibels, yeah, that's a lot, but it really is a lot. Like, generally, what we listen to in music is about the top, you know, zero, top would be zero, down to negative maybe 24, maybe. And that's like a quiet section of a song. 
Generally, though, we're hearing just about zero to negative six, like on everything, on every recording we hear. And so, like, the quiet parts that we hear in pop songs are still negative six. Now, think negative 144, how quiet that would be. And, and what the noise floor is, is essentially, if you were to take out all the music from the mix, um, how much of the mix is actually just noise, like guitar amp buzz, and, you know, when the guitarist isn't playing, or um, just the hiss of the microphones, or the vintage preamps, or uh, the hiss of the EQ that you added, like, if you added an analog EQ, or if you added, like, an analog modeled EQ in the computer, the hiss of that, or the hiss of the tape, you know, when nothing's playing, if the band was recording, and they all paused for a section of a song, what you hear when they're paused is the noise floor, essentially. Um, so that that's that's really the two key terms: dynamic range and noise floor. So why why are these things good and bad? Well, hiss is becoming more and more popular to to have in recordings for a number of reasons. One, hiss has kind of been induced by a lot of um, Waves plugins and these new modeling plugins that come about, they actually model the hiss of the equipment as well. When they're modeling the EQ curves and all these, they're modeling the hiss of it because it is analog equipment. And why do they do that, you might ask? Well, I think part of the coolness of a lot of the old recordings was that they had hiss and they didn't sound super dead like studio, you know, they sounded really like kind of raw and they sounded kind of crappy in a cool awesome way for example if you listen to really early 60s recordings you know from whoever there's a ton of bands like rock bands you know not you know early 60s recordings from any genre really you'll probably hear some significant hiss and that's just the way the tape was 70s you'll hear probably a little less 80s, you'll probably hear definitely a lot less. 90s, hardly any. Um, you know, and early 2000s, mid 2000s, you'll probably not hear a single bit of anything in the silence. Um, however, today in a lot of rock music uh, and a lot of genres, people are getting back to that old stuff. You know, it's all about uh, analog modeled stuff. You know, um, bringing back the hardware, bringing back the tape machines getting tape emulation, tube emulations, tape tape and tube saturation, analog EQ, analog summing, etc., etc., etc. That's the big thing these days. And I can't say that I'm not happy about it. What I'm not happy about is when people are using them as a crutch and thinking, oh yeah, well I'm using this EQ so I'm going to get a good sound because it's a vintage EQ. Sometimes a vintage EQ doesn't cut it. One of my favorite EQs is the... Uh, is just the standard old uh, simple EQ, what is it, the Q10 that comes with some of the most basic Waves bundles. Um, it's just a graphic equalizer. And I, I love it for doing just like high-pass filters or something like that, high-pass filters or low-pass filters. It's very clean. It doesn't sound like any piece of gear that I can think of. It does the job exactly as I need it to do and not much else. Those are the situations where I don't need something that's analog modeled to do to do that simple job. Um, it's also very low DSP. I can use the uh, when you get the Q10 in the Waves bundles. It usually comes with the multiple versions, like uh, a two band, 
or a one band, three band, five set, something like something like that. And I can use the one band if I just want just a, just a high pass filter, extremely low DSP, and does exactly what I need it to do. Anyway, these new plugins, especially from Waves like the Waves Neve and API and SSL and things from Universal Audio, things from URS, things from all these different companies, they're actually adding in the hiss to not just give it that vintage vibe, but another element of hiss is that it kind of takes away from the silence and the awkwardness. Like when there's something there, it's almost like because the dynamic range of digital is so high, you're actually bringing the dynamic, the noise floor up so that it doesn't sound so weird and quiet. Like because in real life, the life that you and I are living right now, you know, we don't have silence. We don't have silence hardly ever. And so when you hear silence in recordings, it's actually awkward to, to our ears. We don't get it because there are very few times in life where we, we have complete silence unless you're in a recording studio or you're in some sort of isolation booth or some anechoic chamber or a very, very quiet museum or art gallery or something like that or, you know, in a room with no windows and, uh, you know, you're trying to fall asleep in a room with no windows and you're just laying in bed. I mean, it's very rare, even in that case, you know, you got air conditioners running, stuff like that. You got computers on or you got, uh, you know, a little bit of sound from the other rooms, you know, someone's uh, listening to music in the other room or you've got someone making coffee downstairs or or whatever. Let me give you an example of what this show would sound like if I muted all of the hiss in between my voice, in between my phrases. Welcome to the Recording Lounge. This is the show. Now here is that same exact bit copied over with a plug-in that emulates tape hiss and saturation. Welcome to the Recording Lounge. This is the show. Now, to me, that sounds a lot more realistic. Like you're, you know, talking to somebody. It sounds like they're in a room. It doesn't sound like they're in a studio recording, you know what I mean? And so that, that's not to say that you're necessarily always looking for that natural sound. Most rap records are very big on silence. Not all of them. A lot of earlier 90s records and some newer ones especially like that sort of grungy, uh, you know, like early streets of hip-hop like uh, Most Def and like KRS-One and stuff like that, like early hip-hop, um, they like that sort of vintage, like I just sampled some records and they have the hiss from the records on there. I mean, that, that's cool. I love that sort of stuff. And so it's like those sorts of things are still popular. However, you should be aware, you should listen. Listen for how the noise floor is. I mean, uh, in most things, you probably won't be able to hear it. But some things, like if anybody out there is a Wilco fan, you can hear hit tape hiss. And it's not fake tape hiss. It's real tape hiss. And um, on some great recordings, there's actually potentially a fair amount of hiss, but you don't ever notice it until you listen on headphones, in the quiet of your own room, you know, and there's nothing outside. You know, I would invest in a good pair of headphones like some uh, direct sound extreme isolation headphones. I use them for drum recording. I use them for listening. Not for mixing on, but I mean, I don't mix with headphones, but I really like them to listen to recordings and, and really hear because it blocks out all the sound from outside and you can hear it. You can really just hear the recording only. It's interesting. 
But uh, the idea of having complete silence is is kind of like the idea of putting crazy big reverbs on people's voices. Sometimes it sounds cool, but most of the time it's impossible to do in real life, and so it sounds weird. It sounds weird to our ears, and you know things like all these multi-tap delays on voices and, and, and that are very audible and like not in time or whatever. A lot of those stick out like a sore thumb. And your brain says, whoa, that's impossible in real life. That I've never heard anything like that. It's cool in one way, but another way, it doesn't sound right. It doesn't fit. It doesn't, you know, the voice sounds like it's drenched in reverb and the whole band just sounds like it's playing a, a gig on a stage. And you're just like, what the heck? Is the vocalist somewhere else in some big canyon? And that's kind of like the silence thing when you Pop hear songs especially. I think it all started with disco. Uh, disco and funk uh, really had dead stuff. I mean, dead, dead recordings, really recorded in ISO booths with very minimal anything, just lots of dead sounds, dead snares, you know, not a lot of ring, dead toms, just, you know, doom, 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 not a whole lot of uh, ringing in the toms or like resonance, and not a whole lot of reverb. And pop music is still very much like that. If you listen to anything done by uh, Justin Timberlake or any rap, most any rap artist you have today or, gosh, uh, tons of pop artists in the last 10 years have very tight and uh, edited productions in those ways. There's no hiss, there's no hum, there's nothing. One thing that you'll probably notice about rock music, especially like punk or, or more like garage rock or even post-grunge or something, it's sort of that need for the crappy hiss or noise. Uh, there's a lot of songs that start with that like guitar buzz from an amp or like guitar feedback. Why is that cool to us? I don't know. It's something about noise that fascinates a lot of musicians and listeners. I'm a guitarist and I'm fascinated by the way that you can make your guitar squeal and screech and you know interact with your amp and your pedals and your pickups and all that and I love feedback I love when it happens naturally I it's just there's so many cool sounds you can get with it and it sounds very emotional for some reason I can't really describe it I can't describe what it does to my brain when I hear it it just sounds cool and when I hear it I think wow that sounds cool and even if it's a little noisy that's okay one of my favorite guitarists is Nels Klein from Wilco and he's a very noisy guitarist. There are a lot of solos and lead lines that he does that are kind of sloppy, but they're incredible. They're very, very difficult. Some of them are extremely difficult to play. And he's a, very, he's a virtuoso, really. Um, but when you allow noise to be introduced in those sorts of ways, it takes on an entirely different character. It's no longer a nuisance. It's actually a part of the performance. It actually becomes a part of the cool factor or the wow factor or the, you know, the unique part of the music. When you've got this big guitar feedback on this one section or you've got this fuzz pedal just roaring away right before the chorus and the chorus kicks in and it's gone. You know, those little, those little times where you've got like this big ugly distortion but then back to normal are very cool sometimes. There are other times when having guitar buzz and feedback and uh, hum and things like that is just terrible. 
Generally, times like that include, you know, when you're trying to do clean guitar or clean acoustic tracks, very emotional or like maybe intimate tracks, and you hear this sort of buzzing in the background, it's just becoming an extreme nuisance. Let's kind of define what buzzing sounds like and hissing sounds like and humming and et cetera, et cetera. When I say buzz, I'm more talking about a sound that kind of sounds like this bee, you know, like a, like a buzzing bee. And it usually comes from things like guitar amps, guitar pickups, gear that has old or aging tubes, gear that has very old components in general, uh, just noisy gear in general. Some, some, com- some things are just made noisy. They don't use low noise, high quality parts. Um, Hum is more like the low-frequency hum from things like electrical circuits or bass amps or from certain microphones that just have a bad connection or from bad wired cables or uh, perhaps you could even throw in um, sort of like the rumble. Rumble is usually referred to regarding things like like ambient noise in the room like from your breathing or from the air conditioner or from people's people's feet walking around or you know if the drummer is uh kind of bouncing his feet when he plays the the sort of like slight bit of rumble that is coming from his feet hitting the pedals when he's not hitting the kick pedal and hiss of course is the high frequency hiss like a snake with usually pretty insignificant low end i mean there's no pitch usually to it at all it's very very high Sometimes, sometimes as high as, you know, 18 kilohertz, really high sometimes. Generally, it's in the 4K to 10K region. And you can sometimes tame it with EQ, but generally not. There are plenty of great plugins out there from Waves and from other companies, from Dewey, I think, makes one, that you can do use noise reduction. And some of them work very well. Some of them don't. What I'm trying to get around to is... There are times when hiss, like tape hiss, is very cool. And there are times when things like guitar buzz are very cool. Again, you're dealing with the same type of situation, the same old argument. High road, low road, door number one, door number two. It's just kind of like, what's in the moment? You know, what sounds right? You have to learn to take control of these two things, or of, of all three of these things, actually, um, and make them your own and, and make them unique. Because of a lot of the plugins that I like to use, I end up having hiss in my recordings. Because the little bits of hiss that are added by each plugin add up, and by the end of the mix, I'm sitting there completely silent, not playing the file, and I hear this hiss. And it's because it's coming from my DAW, just sitting there. And to me, I like that. I don't mind it. I like that I have just a noise floor that's not not loud at all. I mean, probably in the negative negative. 50s, negative 40s, probably even way lower than that. I don't even remember. Probably negative 50s, easy, negative 60s. And I, I, I really couldn't tell you. I really couldn't tell you. Um, but it creates this sort of separation to where, like I said, it's not just silence. And when, for example, let's say you hit a guitar strum. When the guitar strum fades out, it's not just silent. It's not just done. There's still a little bit of something there. And it's almost like it creates the illusion that there is live music going on and that they haven't stopped playing because you still hear hiss. So the song is still going on. And so 
you've still got this weird, like, driving factor to the music, or strange, like, live sound to it, or something. I, I, it's very hard to explain, but psychologically, the hiss actually keeps your brain focused, because it still hears something. When there's nothing going on, and it's just absolutely silent, or when a guitar track fades to silence, it's just kind of like fading a text overlay on a video to black. There's nothing there, and it's just black screen. Well, if you're fading a text overlay on a video to a very low-light shot of somebody sitting in a window looking out at the cars on the road, you know, that's a little more interesting. It still is very low-light, and still it's hard to really understand what's there. But you see, you know, this guy sitting in the shadows, and his eyes are there looking out the window at these cars passing by. And so you get this image there, you get this sort of continuing factor drawing you in saying, what is that? I don't really see it, but I see something. That's kind of like the hiss. That's kind of like tape hiss. Now, I don't want to get all like Freudian on you here, but what my my goal is just to open up your mind and, and start thinking about it. Start thinking about, you know, do you like hiss personally? Do you like hiss? Do you like the way it sounds? Do you think that it makes the sound annoying of the songs that you do? If so, don't keep it in there, you know? There are most plugins out there that have uh, analog modeling settings actually allow you to turn the hiss off for this exact reason. Now, rarely does buzz and hum create this effect. Most of the time, when you're sitting and you and you hear buzz and hum, it actually just sounds bad and annoying, and it sounds like a subpar recording. It's interesting that hiss has become the more interesting of the three the more ad- admirable, the more desirable, the more almost, you know, common. Very, it's becoming very common. And it's it's so interesting to me to, to, note, to note that they're adding hiss. They're adding the imperfection back. And I think that's because the old gear had hiss because it was hand-wired, made by human hands. And when there's buzz or rumble or hum, that usually means something is wrong. Hiss means something is wired or constructed or the circuitry is done a certain way with certain components. I don't want to be one of those guys that you always hear that are like, oh yeah, they don't make good recordings anymore, you know? All the best recordings are from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And after that, there's nothing good. Because that's totally wrong. There are some great recordings done in those eras, and I love them, but some of my favorite recordings ever were done in, you know, between 1990 and today and tons of bands you know there are a lot of great bands out there that produce great songs there's all these different elements about them that combine but one element that really seems to stick out to me is that so many of the best bands out there are still using vintage equipment or when they did their best-selling albums or when they did the albums that you know they were using good vintage equipment at good amazing studios with great rooms and just because you have amazing studios with great rooms the fact that you're using vintage equipment will probably lead to some hiss. And so these high-dollar productions still have hiss. And you're thinking, well, why am I trying so hard to remove all this hiss? Well, maybe you shouldn't. Again, there is definitely a distinction between buzz and hum and hiss. And it's also significant to note that you shouldn't be afraid if you're recording something and it has hiss on it. You shouldn't be thinking man, I really need to, you know, 
turn down the highs on this or something or oh I should really use a different microphone or something like that because in the full mix you really got to keep perspective on the full mix and you should understand that if there's a little hiss on something now when you compress it you're probably going to hear it more and so you got to really draw the line sometimes too much hiss is a terrible terrible thing and for example this is something that I always hear when it's done poorly and I and it drives me crazy when a vocalist for example is recording on a condenser mic or a tube mic there's often some hiss especially after compressing and adding EQ there's hiss just on the track well a poorly edited vocal you'll be able to hear the gaps because you'll hear the silent the hiss fade off they'll sing a line you know uh, and at the end of the line at the end of the phrase it, let's say they were saying three blind mice well after they say mice it will fade out and you'll actually hear the, s the hiss go down and fade out that is to me a very terrible edit that's kind of an interesting reason why having that little bit of hiss on other tracks is kind of acceptable because if you got a little bit of hiss on other tracks you probably won't be able to notice that hiss fade out on the vocal but if there's no hiss on anything other than the vocal it's gonna sound really really noticeable so you gotta think about relativity in these things too it's not just about hiss on the vocal or hiss on the acoustic guitar it's about hiss in the mix how is the hiss and the noise floor in the mix is there a significant amount of hiss going on from a little bit like a little bit for me to each instrument or is it just one or just a few instruments that are causing it maybe it's a lot more than you think so go through your tracks and listen to them listen to them when nothing's playing listen to them uh, when you've got the full band in and notice if you can if it's loud enough to hear while the song is playing it's probably way too much if it's not that loud you know and, and in most cases it's it's definitely not in about 90% of cases or 95 when when the band stops playing you don't even really notice that they that there's silence there because there's hiss or there's a little bit of hiss or hum or buzz and so because of that, like I said earlier, you're drawn in you're, and you know that they're about to come back. And I, don't, I just don't like it sometimes when bands cut out all the hiss. I mean, it's just absolutely surreal and impossible. So how do we make use of these things and in a general wrap it up sort of way? First, you've got your EQs that have emulation, things like the Waves API the Waves Helios, the Waves um, Neve, the Waves SSL, etc., etc., etc. You've got all these different um, tape emulation and tube emulation plugins. Now, some of these plugins will uh, add more hiss than others. Some of them will give you more flexibility than others. Other plugins include like delay plugins. You can actually add hiss on delay plugins, and you can add hiss on, you know. Some compressors uh, will give you hiss. I know that, like the API and the Neve uh, Waves bundles, have uh, an analog switch, as they call it, for adding some hiss and uh, giving it a little more 
um, compression qualities of the older gear, the original older gear. Um, a little more squ squished, perhaps, of a sound. I can't describe it exactly. You'd have to hear it. But you can make use of these things by learning what is what, learning how much is too much, learning what you like, and learning it. And that's a big thing on the show. I, I like to give people things to think about so that they can go learn it. Um, you know, I'm too busy learning things to teach you everything. I'd love to sit down and talk with you. So if you have questions about any of this, if this hiss thing is not making sense, um, you know, if, if it's just like, you know, flying over your head and you're just like, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Hiss is, I hate hiss. What, you know, where are you? Um, email me about it. You know, ask me any questions you have about it. The email is recordingloungepodcast at gmail.com. You can check out the blog at recordinglounge.blogspot.com. And please check out my personal studio website. It's theclosetstudios.com. T-H-E-C-L-O-S-E-T-S-T-U-D-I-O-S.com. Send me an email. We'll talk about it. Uh, shout out to uh, some people, Chris and Phil, some podcast listeners I've been talking to recently. Um, had Chris as a while, and Phil is a new uh, new listener. So thanks for watching the show, Phil. Um, I got your email just, just a little while ago, and I was finishing up the show, so you made the cut. Cool, guys. Well, um, we will talk soon. I've got a new show planned coming out soon uh, based on some recommendations from listeners. So please, if you have some ideas for shows, email me, and I would love to talk to you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.